Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at LuckyMojo.com. I'm your announcer, Papanute of Papanute.com in Omaha, Nebraska, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Conjurman Ali of TheConjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California, and special co-host, Deacon Millets in the uh, PortAlters.org in the high deserts of California. And this week, we'll be joined by a special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, bringing us today's topic on her new revised book of The Secrets of Numbers Revealed. Afterwards, they'll take your date and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest special hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Conjur Ben Ali and Deacon Millet. Conjur Ben Ali? Thank you for that lovely introduction. I'm very excited to say that we have Kat joining us as a guest, so it's a kind of rare opportunity to actually interview her. This is going to be loads of fun and a chance to talk about books, so this is uh, my day, if you will, to interview Kat and talk about books. Uh, yay. It's definitely a good Sunday. Yeah, yay is the right word. Uh, just a little, <laughs> some quick updates from me, and then we'll turn over and see how Deacon Millet is doing. Um, we have a very oddly bipolar Southern California going on in terms of weather. Uh, it's sunny in the morning, it's raining in the afternoon, and then it's sunny again right now, and it's planning to rain yet again tonight. And that's really been the weather for the past, uh, I would say, week or so. Um, definitely, definitely kind of strange winter weather we're having in SoCal, but it's kind of nice because all of Southern California is now green. Um, for anyone who's ever been to Orange County knows that it's kind of a fake beach weather, if you will. It's actually a desert that's been manufactured to look Mediterranean, if you will. Um, so the rain has made everything lovely and green and clean and kind of fitting with that spirit, I did some really thorough cleansing of the house and home and the altars and so everything is sparkling and smelling fresh and wonderful and it is a, a kind of fantastic fitting shift uh, that matches the weather. That's my news. Not a lot of exciting stuff, uh, but, you know, exciting for me, if you will. Um, let's check in with Deacon Millet and see how he's doing. Welcome, Deacon Millet. So great, glad to have you. Um, you're a fan favorite, and it's always kind of fun to have you on the show. How have you been? Uh, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Um, oh, the weather, the weather, the weather, the weather. Um, I'm, we're doing our... Um, our spring cleaning with a tractor. Um, we, we've had floods. Um, we live on dirt roads out in, out in the desert in California, and it's um, it's a mess. And this is the second time in the last six months that it's 
um, that the rivers have flooded, that the wash oh, wow. is in a river itself, that the roads are, are just all discombobulated. So thankfully we've got neighbors with tractors and um, we're getting, you know, our roads redone so that we can drive on them. Um, and in the meantime, we're just having to do everything on foot. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Um, so you, yeah, you shouldn't well, be complaining about the weather when you're going through that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty miserable. And I'm reaching a place where I'm probably going to have to spring for the, the FEMA insurance. Um, yeah. Because at some point, it's just going to be too scary um, to, you know, not. But it's so expensive and so rough and we've managed to stay protected so far but boy oh boy it um, definitely makes for some exciting days um, it, so it certainly does I mean, news, print. <laughs> I mean I think just nationally speaking there's some crazy weather going on between you yeah. know the the deep, deep cold that people are receiving, unseasonably cold weather in some places, unseasonably warm weather in other places. This is a kind of a stark reminder of our changing climate that yeah, this is extreme weather. I mean, you don't, you yeah. don't often hear about floods happening in Southern California or where, I mean, but, but here you are, you're talking about floods where you're at. I'm talking about pouring rains where I'm at. It's, it's, it's certainly interesting times to say the least. Uh, let's bring on over. Yeah, hell is definitely freezing over. Uh, let's bring in Kat and, and really kind of dive into our topic because I want to dedicate as much time as possible to the book. For those of you who have been living under a rock, Catherine Ironwood is the proprietor of Lucky Mojo as well as the Curio Company as well as the host of the Lucky Mojo Curio Root Work Hour, the longest hoodoo root work hour show I mean, I think it's been going on 10-plus years, maybe almost almost 20 years at this point in time, uh, or getting close to 20 years, with a number of, of uh, kind of iterations, originally a panel show, then with a co- with co-hosts. I am the latest of the co-hosts, been around for a little while. It's been my uh, pleasure to co-host with her. She is also an esteemed author and teacher of root work with multiple, multiple books out, all really powerful, powerful books that, not only introduce the kind of rudimentary knowledge of hoodoo, the basics of how to how to work this craft from the green Bible, as I like to call it, the hoodoo uh, root and herb magic book, um, to books that are now bringing back kind of classics like the black and white uh, book of Marie magic of Marie Laveau, uh, which is coming, which has just been released this year. And then now this new book, the secret of numbers revealed by Godfrey Spencer, Dr. Roy Page Walton, uh, Louis de Clermont and Catherine Ironwood. And there is a story here behind why there are so many authors. So let's welcome Miss Kat and kind of open the floor to tell us a little bit about why she started this book or why this book in particular and the story behind why there are so many authors here. Well, hi. It's very nice of you to have me. Just to give you the date you wanted, um, this show started in 2004. So we're in our 15th year. Um, oh, wow. And, yeah, so this project for me is another one of the books I've put out that go under the uh, title page notation, the Lucky Mojo Library of Occult Classics. 
and I've put out a few of them, Black and White Magic of Marie Laveau, which has had a spectacular uh, acceptance already. I'm so pleased how many people have really turned on to it and said, you know, this is an old book, but it's been puffed and fluffed and revised and typeset in such a way it's now very accessible. It's old spells from the 1920s from New Orleans. And the previous book I did was called Legends of Incense, Urban Oil Magic by Louis de Clermont. And this was a book that when I was a kid, it first came out in 1936, it was a book that introduced me to the role of herbs in hoodoo and also oils and incenses, powders, and bath crystals. And I would say that my book, which is a, a very uh, popular book, Hoodoo Urban Root Magic, would never have existed without Legends of Incense Urban Oil Magic. Mm, but I really you know, was wanted to do my own thing, and I pioneered my own path and did my own research. But that book always stayed in the back of my mind, and so one day I decided I'd work on trying to update it. And there were so many different editions, and they'd been cut up. And um, I need to explain here about different editions and cut up. There was a printer in uh, New York mm-hmm. City who printed most of the occult shop classics of of the 20th century up to a certain time period. And these were sold in every... Uh, conjure shop, hoodoo candle shop, uh, incense shop, herb shop, whatever, call them what you will, hoodoo drugstore. They all had these same books. They came from the same distributors and the same printers. They were very popular. It wasn't like it is now where you have, you know, the book of the week. These were books that stayed in print year after year after year. You could walk into any shop and find these books. And Legends of Incense, Urban Oil Magic was one of them. And um, so when I went to... um, you know, go through my collection of copies because they would somehow have a have a pink cover, a red cover, a green cover, a white cover, and I looked and they were different inside, and they had been chopped up. So, I undertook a, a labor of love, which actually took me years to restore that book, and that has met with great success. But mm. while I was in the last phases of restoring that book, I there was a, a phrase that was unusually written, and I thought that's an odd phrase. It doesn't fit with the rest of this book. And I put it into Google Book Search, which didn't exist back then in the day, you know. And I found that it had been a plagiarism from a, another book. And I found oh, a number of, of plagiarisms in Legends of Incense, Urban Oil Magic. And they were small. They were short. Most of the book was really about hoodoo and about this guy who ran a shop and he sold herbs and he was talking from his own experience. But he just sort of incorporated these little plagiarisms. And I thought, well, that's really weird. And so I put an um, afterword in the book and I said, well, good though he was and influential though he was in his time, 50 years this book was in print all the time, but the guy did plagiarize. So, uh, And the plagiarisms, by the way, were no more than a few paragraphs. So the other book, by Louis de Clermont that I really loved was a book but I originally knew it as The Secret of Numbers Revealed by Godfrey Spencer. Mm-hmm. And I was shown a copy of it by a woman named Mrs. Hare. And she did numerology, she did card reading, and she lived in Santa Monica, California. Um, she lived near us, and after school, my mother paid for her me to go to her house and just sit there, do my homework, and get my cinnamon toast and orange juice. And so Mrs. Hare had all of these books, on, and she was a card reader, and she was a numerologist, and she 
did my numerology, and she told me the most amazing things based on my name. And I really couldn't believe it, but I was pretty good at math, and I thought I could do this for my friends, and I could I could see what they're really like. And so I started using this little book, The Secret of Numbers Revealed by Godfrey Spencer, which had a bright yellow cover, and I was so happy to use it, and I worked out little numerology workouts for all my friends, and I, I just became a numerologist, which was kind of weird because mm-hmm. Mrs. Hare had predicted that I would become a numerologist <laughs> based on the numbers in my name. And I thought, she's just saying this to flatter me, but when I read the book, I saw she, it was true. I mean, that book would have said the same thing. You will become a numerologist. So after that, she had also made some predictions about my life, and um, we left Santa Monica, and I realized within a week after when we left, I realized that the things she told me about my life were all coming true. Everything she said was coming true. And, in fact, everything she said has come true. So, you know, all credit to oh, Mrs. Wow. Hare, and this this book is partially dedicated <laughs> to her. But I, car- I carried the memory of this book, and when I found my first hoodoo store that I entered in the 1960s in Oakland, California, there was that book, and I recognized mm-hmm. it right away. The Secret of Numbers Revealed by Godfrey Spencer. So I bought it, and I was like, this is it. This is a textbook of numerology. This is it. And I was so into this book. Well, I do like to collect alternate editions and different books on subjects, so I began collecting Mm -hmm. other books on numerology. And one day I was in a shop, and there was a little book. It was a little tattered, very torn-up little pamphlet, and it was called How to Get Your Winning Number by Louis de Claremont. Mm -hmm. And I went, wait a minute, wait a minute. Louis Claremont's the author of Legends. He's not the author of this book. This book is by Godfrey Spencer. And right. I thought, my God, Louis de Claremont was ripped off by Godfrey Spencer. And I was so upset. <laughs> what happened to Louis de Claremont? <laughs> this is his book, his book. And and it was signed in the in the last page it said Louis de Claremont. And I'm like, This book is by Louis de Claremont. So then I thought, that's really weird because the the typesetting was identical. It was identical. It was like just a, a copy of the other book. I'm like, this is messed up. So I started buying every copy of The Secret of Numbers Revealed and every copy of How to Get Your Winning Number. And I found out <laughs> that Louis de Claremont's edition, How to Get Your Winning Number, was the older book. And Godfrey Spencer was a name that was added later. And I even figured out when it was added later and even why it was added later. The original book, How to Get Your Winning Number, um, had a cover by a guy named Charles M. Quinlan, a comic mm-hmm. book artist who lived in New York, and he did all the illos for for Lewis Claremont books, which were pu- printed and published by the Spitalnik family, who owned Empire Publishing and a bunch of other mm-hmm. things later, Doreen Publishing. Mm-hmm. And, however, The Secret of Amber Reveals by Godfrey Spencer had a cover by Charles Clarence Dawson, who was the Chicago fantastic African-American artist who did all this label art for all these African-American-owned companies and for Morton Newman's Valmore Products, King Novelty Products, and and famous products. And this book with the new cover and the beautiful new lettering and the whole mm-hmm. Charles Dawson look was offered by Morton Newman. So, And I realized right away, wow. the secret of numbers revealed does not mention gambling. But how to get your winning number does. And if you're selling it in New York, it's not crossing state lines, okay, whatever. Right. But in those days, they pursued people to you know, to jail for, yes, for illegal get, betting and illegal gambling. So the yeah. change in the name, the change in the art, everything made perfect sense. Also, 
when you took the book and used the principles mm-hmm. of numerology in the book, the name Louis de Claremont is a terrible name. It's unfortunate. It's a bad name for an author. It's really a stupid name. But the name Godfrey Spencer is perfect. It's the perfect mm-hmm. name for the author. And I, I demonstrate in the book why the name Godfrey Spencer. Somebody sat down there with a piece of paper and a pen and said, I'm going to pick the perfect name for an author of a book on numerology, and that name will be Godfrey Spencer. Right? And it, it's totally balanced, the same number of letters in each, you know, and the, they both work out to eights. And it's just like, oh, man, lucky eight, eight. It'll be good in business. Fantastic. Okay. So. Okay, so I'm set to reprint the book. So I have Gray Townsend do a cover, you know, Secret of Numbers Revealed by Godfrey Spencer, um, by Louis de Claremont, and by Catherine Ironwood. And I put my name on the cover because the book's only 48 pages long, and our books that we publish at Lucky Mojo are 96. 48 is half of 96. So I intended to do half the book myself and half this loving reprint of Louis de Claremont stuff with a little introduction explaining it. But, as I mentioned, I collect books on occultism and numerology, Uh astrology. I have a very large library. So I'm going through my numerology books, and I'm in the bottom of the box, you know, looking at this and looking at that. And I went, oh, God, there is a book in here in this box I know this. It's in here somewhere. And I found it. It was in it was the very bottom book in a box larger than two of me. It was a big cardboard box completely filled mm-hmm. with books. And in the bottom was a book called Names, Dates and Numbers by Dr. Roy Page Walton, published uh-huh. by Edward J. Claude. What a great name, Claude, C L O D E. Edward J. Claude of New York. <laughs> Um, in 1914, and guess what? Louis de Claremont no. is a total stone fucking cold plagiarism from word one to the last Oh, page. wow. Oh, and wow. Dr. Roy Page Walton has, has some issues with his name. It sort of a, almost looks like it's been constructed also to be what it is. It just has that sort of little thing going on with it, 22 to 22. You kind of go, yeah, okay. Very nice. Um, you know, look at Catherine Ironwood, eleven eleven. After a while, you begin to kind of see these things, and you go, "Why is that person using that name?" So, um, so, so, Dr. Roy Page Walton wrote this book, but there is some evidence interior to the book that Dr. Roy Page Walton may not have. Actually, been his name either. I, it oh wow! Edward J. Claude wrote the book. The publisher. <laughs> he, there's other books that Mr. Claude published. Uh, one by a Mr. Cheesley. Uh, this <laughs> is too good. This on is numerology, too good. Mr. Cheesley. Yeah. So I'm sitting here trying to figure out what the heck was going on in 1914, somewhere between Sixth Avenue and Eighth Avenue in New York. All of this took place in these printing shops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now it's not just the secret of numbers revealed, but the secret of the secret of numbers revealed, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but despite all of that, I will give this point as my second favorite book on numerology in the world. It was my first favorite for many years until I ran across a, a, a book I like a little better, although not as useful. This book is so useful. This is your 96-page book for $9. You can't beat this book. 
But there is another book that I, I've always enjoyed, and it is called The Science of Numerology by Walter B. Gibson. Now, at this point, I know that at least Deacon Millet knows who I'm talking about, right? I think I do, but you're going to have to refresh my memory. Okay, Maxwell Grant, the author of 300 Novels of the Shadow. (laughs) The Shadow, you know, who knows what evil lurks in the heart of man. Oh, my God, the the Shadow shadow knows. That is Walter B. Gibson. Walter Gibson wrote 300 shadow novels. He wrote um, radio plays. He wrote comic books and on and on. He was a stage magician also and and he wrote books on occultism and he wrote a book called the science of numerology which i love a lot so um i that book deserves to be reprinted in full but it's a multi-hundred page book i mean this is your big fat tome it's not a it's not a little introduction but it's in the public domain and i i did take the the pictures out of it which were published by george sully Mm -hmm. and company and i don't know um, who the artist was, but they're lovely, and I, I'm very happy to use them as well as um, a piece of art from the front cover of the dust wrapper. But I'm give credit to to Walter B. Gibson. His book is very, very good, and he this taught is, me a lot. This is such a fascinating backstory. This is why I love asking you the backstory behind why you publish the books that you do, because the story behind them reveals so much, and not only that, they're histories in of themselves. Right here, right now, what you just told us isn't just the history of this book, but it's a, a little microcosm of 20th century occult book publishing, chapbook publishing, this kind of building on one another, plagiarizing one another was so common almost in the early 20th century and mid-20th century for these books, and you really get a kind of the glimpse of the character of the books that are being published, the type of works that are in circulation, and what it takes to not just republish these books, but to really uncover and trace their histories, to really do the detective work. As this is literally detective work, tracing back whose influences are where and which comes from which chapbook and which book and which influ- you know, which oh, this sentence is actually from so and so. That's a lot of kind of really detailed work that's thoroughly, thoroughly fascinating. I, I also well, wanted to ask you Well but may may I just I just have to say something. But I just had to blurt all of this out, but that's not the point of the book. The point of the book is the study of numerology. Right. Okay. And right. that's that's what I was going to ask next is when we say the study of numerology, right, or the concept of lucky numbers, particularly in hoodoo, this is kind of a unique expression. Not all folk magic have a concept of lucky numbers. Many do. Many do, and hoodoo is one of them. And it's kind mm-hmm. of a fascinating mix of both prophetic work, the ability to predict, but also a relationship with the notion of luck, right? Luck means something in hoodoo and has a very important meaning. So I wonder if you could speak a little bit about what is lucky numbers? Why is it an important component of hoodoo to the point where there are completely separate ways of working, traditions, products dedicated, just books dedicated to this concept of lucky numbers. So if you could give us just kind of an introduction for people who don't know what lucky numbers are and the relationship to hoodoo. Well, you know, you've you've hit on something here, and I just put into the chat room a series of words. Numerology, yeah. arithmancy, number magic, yeah. lucky numbers, and Kabbalisms. Yes. Um, 
So numerology is the study of the inner meaning of numbers. You can use numerology to derive a very mm-hmm. good character analysis of somebody, and there are many systems. Mm-hmm. And because this book was short to begin with, I've added the equivalent of a whole nother book on using the magic square of Saturn. Um, mm. The number, it's a tic-tac-toe. If you draw a tic-tac-toe in your mind, top row 492, second row 357, bottom row 816. That's the magic square of Saturn. And in China, it's known as the low shoe square um, mm-hmm. because out of the low river, this giant tortoise came and it had these marks on its back that looked like that. And when you add all the numbers up going one way or the other, they add to 15. And um, all of the yin numbers are in the four corners and the yang numbers form across. Down the, I mean, there's so much about this low shoe square, a.k.a. the square of Saturn. And it was known both in Europe and in mm-hmm. uh, Asia. So I I put in um, numerology according to both systems. In other words, the numerology by reduction, where you just take, well, my name, mm-hmm. you know, C is, you know, it's called the 1, 2, 3, ABC grid. Um, so yeah. C is 3, A is 1, T is 2 or 20 or whatever, you know, and you just, you just um, add those numbers up and you end up with Catherine equals 11 and so forth and so on. That is Western numerology. Low-shoe numerology is much more multiple. Um, form you you have the numbers then you have the pattern they form in this square mm-hmm. and then in the square you create tic tac toe lines either you have three lines in a row that hit or you have a blank uh, row column or diagonal which is called an arrow because in um, in feng shui and in, in Chinese thought arrows are dangerous so a blank is an arrow a positive where the numbers are filled that's a line so you either have lines or arrows. That is numerology. Both of those are numerology, and I cover both of them in this book. The next thing is arithmancy. Now, mancy mm-hmm. means uh, foretelling the future, right? Like right. geomancy, right? Mm-hmm. So a mancy mm-hmm. is a tassiomancy for teacup reading. So arithmancy mm-hmm. is to how to predict the future based on a number. And this is, um, you can use it for dates, or you can use it for, um, oh, you know, there's many, many forms of arithmancy. Then there's right. number magic, and magic is where you manipulate something to get a result you want. So say you mm-hmm. were born with a name that that's like Louis de Claremont. I mean, it's just a name that doesn't do anything for you, and you decide you're going to change your name. You have some choices. You can only use your first initial. You can add a letter. You can subtract a letter. You can take a completely different name. Um, you can change your surname through marriage. There are many ways to change your name, change your presentation. You can go by a nickname. And that is number magic because the way you appear to the world and the way the world interacts with you, your luck, which we were going to get to, all of it will change if you change your name. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole chapter on number magic. Then we get to Mm. lucky numbers. So lucky numbers is the only part of this book that the Louis de Claremont person actually wrote. He added that to uh, Dr. Walton's book. And lucky numbers are um, numbers that you can bet. And primarily, these are numbers used in betting lotteries. And uh, they might be illegal lotteries like the wheel, like policy, Mm -hmm. like the numbers. Or they might be legal lotteries like state lotteries. And how you get these lucky numbers is a matter of of, um, some thought to most people who play. Now, in some cultures, betting is extremely frowned upon which is why the book's title was changed from How to Get Your Winning Number to The Secret of Numbers Revealed. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But in African-American culture, also in Native American culture, also in Chinese and other Asian-Malaysian culture, betting is gambling is normal. It's not frowned yeah. upon. You're not going to go to hell. It's cool. It's fun. Let's do that. So in gambling positive cultures, getting lucky numbers, if the game is a numbers game, is very important. You can get them from dreams. You can get them from the names of people or animals you see on your way to go buy your ticket. You can bet the same number over and over. It can be your name converted to numbers or something else. And there are other systems for working out numbers. And Louis de Clermont created his own, which he called Mm -hmm. the Master Code. And the Master Code is his. That's his thing. And there are many, many other codes and um, systems. They're called rundowns. Um, They're called workouts. And I basically call them all derivative numbers. And these are made by by taking a word or another set of numbers and transforming them some way. So mm. that's a major part of this book are different ways to get those betting numbers. And something that's original to me, because I'm introducing the low shoe square or the Saturn square to Western people who probably would be unfamiliar with it, and I will show them how to take their name and everything – but now, if your name comes up with a tic-tac-toe line, well, that's a string of three digits, and that's a pick three. And most states have some sort of a pick three or pick six. You know what I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. so these three-digit combinations, which you can, in some places, of course, it depends on your state laws and or whether you're betting an illegal lottery, but you can either bet them straight, in other words, in the, num- in the order that the numbers appear, or you can right. bet them boxed, right? which means you can alter the, the numbers. And it pays out less if, they, if you box them. So mm-hmm. this book tells you how to use the low shoe square to play lotteries. And that's the, this is the first book that's ever done that, as far as I know, that's in English. Mm-hmm. And I, never, I can't read Chinese, so I don't even know if there is a Chinese book on it. But, so it's my own system. Yeah, it's my own, my own system. And then the, the last part of this book is about what's called Kabbalisms. And this is a word I picked up from a non-Jewish guy who didn't know the word Kabbalah, so he just called them Kabbalisms, yeah. and I thought it was very funny. So Kabbalisms are where you take any two words. Originally, you would take in Jewish mysticism, you take any two words or a string of words out of the Bible in the original Hebrew. You would convert them into numbers, and you compare those words for their essences. It's like comparing two people, yes. but these are words. Yep. Yep. But in but in America, this became expanded into comparing any words. They don't have to be at the Bible. They could be any strings of words. I could compare the words like, you know, etheric force and nuclear power or whatever two words I wanted to compare and see if they're harmonious with one another. It's a fascinating way to look at the world, and that's the last part of the book, Kabbalisms. Now I'm done. Interesting. <laughs> that wow. is fascinating. It's, it's, I mean, that is a real kind of world survey almost of, of the way numbers are approached in luck and, and the relationship uh, both to hoodoo and the kind of broader practices. Interestingly, I mean, the Kabbalah is also, I mean, most people don't realize it, but most of the angel names that we know come out of the Kabbalah, about the ways in which uh, numbers and letters are associated with verses of the Bible who are then associated with angels. So there's a whole mm-hmm. kind of fascinating history here. But you touched on something quite interesting. In African-American culture, like in kind of 
uh, in, in, in Asian culture and in Native American culture, these are luck-positive cultures, meaning that luck is seen as a good thing and a true force that exists in the world and a sign of blessing. If you are blessed, you are lucky. Right? God is blessed mm-hmm. you, you are lucky. Mm-hmm. That's not always the case in broader American culture, which can sometimes be influenced by the kind of Euro strains of Calvinism and Puritanism, in which luck is not seen as a major factor. Hard work is seen as the major factor of blessings, right? Mm-hmm. You work hard and supposedly you get it. So lucky numbers isn't just about fun. People, do, I mean, you have fun doing it. But it's also very much about finding your blessing, right? Your fortune mm-hmm. out there. I mean, you, you, you talk about, for example, um, I remember you discussing once about this individual who every Friday would come in and with, her, with her, their paycheck buy Hoyt's cologne, dump the Hoyt's cologne over themselves and go, I'm going to go out and get lucky tonight. And that is they were going to go and gamble. Mm-hmm. That's right. right? That was that this, story was told to me by LaRue Marx and uh, that happened in 1922 in Memphis, Tennessee. Right. And that is a that is to me foundational in the understanding of yep. A that Hoyt's cologne is lucky but B a gambling positive culture, a luck positive culture. Yeah. Yeah. And so if, Go ahead. I was going to ask, so a person who, who's going to, and then uh, we'll see if Deacon Miller also has a question, sorry, uh, but this is fascinating to me, is if a person purchases this book, not only are they getting history, but they're also getting practical how-to, I mean, the, the way of applying the low shoe numbers, that's fascinating, it's a whole system all its own. So this book is really designed, would you say, with the idea of practice in mind. Here's the book. You can learn the theories behind it. You can learn the kind of history behind it. But here's how you can actually work it in order to get lucky, to find your numbers, and to gamble, right? Yes, yes. For me, the character analysis is part of it. I mean, you know when you go to a Chinese restaurant and they give you a fortune cookie and you get one that's just a character analysis, aren't you always disappointed you know, little, you yeah. crack open that fortune cookie and it says, you are strong and your friends admire you. Well, what we the hell? Fortune. Yeah, you want a fortune. <laughs> you want to know um, tomorrow, take a plunge on the stock market and you'll win, win, win. Or something, you know, like um, don't get on that airplane tonight, buddy. You know, that that's a fortune. And so I um, definitely in in – working on this book have added much more than the character analysis. I've left them as they were. They're very good. Um, But I've added a lot more about getting lucky numbers. And also, I want to give a little shout-out to – I did mention Walter B. Gibson, but I also want to give a little shout-out to a woman named Lillian Tu. And she's a Malaysian Mm. gal. You can look her up, LillianTu.com, I think is her her thing. Anyway, she – She translates into English books on feng shui, but one of her earlier books is called Chinese Numerology in Feng Shui, and Mm -hmm. um, that book uh, came out in the 90s, 1994, I believe, and that book was my introduction to Loshu numerology because I always want to go to the source. I can't read Chinese, but the lady reads Chinese and she speaks English, right? So she did this very nice book. Her book is mostly oriented toward feng shui, but it is a good book, and I and I credit her in the acknowledgement saying I learned a lot from her. However, she, like many, many Chinese people, will only use a lunar calendar when computing your lucky numbers. And so um, we use a solar Gregorian 
civil calendar. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, handshake to Lillian too, and then I have to kind of jump off my own cliff on my own. And I understand the principles of Chinese numerology, but I will not claim that what I'm doing is Chinese because we use a different calendar, and the numbers that you're going to be using right. are going to come from your birth date and that birthday. Interesting. Birthday. Yeah. So, um, but um, I I really do love her books. Miss Athena's in the chat. She says I love her books. Yeah, me too. She's really a good writer, good-hearted person too. Um, but I kind of took it another direction. Now, one of the other things about all books on Loshu numerology, because there's these nine digits and they form these patterns, they're always an artifact of the century in which they were written. And they will be books that say, oh, you'll never get this pattern because everyone born has a one and a nine in their numbers. Well, that's out of date now, buddy. you got people born in the year 2002, and they're getting old enough to gamble, right? <laughs> they're getting old enough to marry. They're 17, whatever. You know, they, they're 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 in life now. So low shoe should not stand still. And many low shoe books just are stuck in the fact that everything will have a one and a nine. Well, the older ones had everything and have one and an eight. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I have um, basically torn low shoe numerology loose from preconceptions about dates and centuries Mm -hmm. and i drew an analogy which i think is pretty hot pretty good um if if you think about uh generational planets slow moving outer planets pluto neptune Uranus, um they move slow and people back in the old days when those planets were first discovered say well this won't really have much of an influence because seven million people will have this same planet in the same place well we found out that of course the fast moving planets affect those the moon for instance and they yeah. are just as readable. And so what I did with the low shoe square was to say, don't worry about what century you're in. You can read this book in three centuries. It'll still make sense. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is fantastic. Thank you, Ms. Kat, for, for allowing us to interview about this book. Hopefully people um, go out and buy it. This is a really, really exciting book. I know I'm going to be ordering mine, uh, The Secret of Numbers Revealed. It's a phenomenally interesting book. So thank you for that. We're going to have uh, Papa Newt come in and guide us on to our callers. Now, Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubric Hour with your host, Conjurman Ali, special co-host Deacon Millet, and this week's special guest, Catherine Ironwood, will be right back. We'll be uh, taking the calls from our listeners, answering their questions through spiritual divination and prescribing down-home contra remedies and remediation. Our calling clients are selected from among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo form at form.luckymojo.com. You can listen to the show online through Blog Talk Radio or via telephone by dialing 818-394-8535. If you filled out a client questionnaire at the forum, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1 to let us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select callers by their area code, and if your area code is announced, we'd like you to say hello and let me, your announcer, Papa Newt, read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to our host. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our first caller. And our first caller is a first-time caller calling in from area code 702 in Nevada. This is Pita. Pita, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, welcome to the show, and thank you for entrusting us with your situation today. Thank you now, for selecting me. You're welcome. Now, I do see you have had a reading with Miss Kat on another situation about October of 2018. 
Uh, but you have not come to any other readers and reworkers on this situation. Is that correct? That's correct. Thank you. And Peter Wright, I would like to have a general reading and root work recommendations based on the reading, please. Turning back to you, Kanchukan Thanks for that, Papa Newt. So, Peter, I will do your first reading, followed by Deacon Millet. Uh, I mean, followed by Miss Cat, and then Deacon Millet was going to give you the root work recommendation based off of our readings. Now, you're interested in a general reading. Let me ask a couple questions to just kind of clarify and guide our, our readings. Uh, first, um, when you say a general reading, are you just want uh, anything that the cards show up, or is there some aspect of your life you're interested in knowing about? Love, money, health, etc.? Um, I would say what show up. Whatever shows up. Okay. And how old are you, roughly speaking? Forty-one. Forty-one. And your sign of the zodiac, if you don't mind me asking. Um, Scorpio. You are a Scorpio. Okay, that's fantastic. So what I'm doing is I'm pulling a set of cards in a, what's known as a general life reading to help see what shows up. I'm not going to read all the cards because that would take uh, quite a bit of time. But there is there are some significant ones that show up that you should be aware of. Very first card that I have here that is important, I think, for your situation is the Fool card. And this shows up in the second house, by which I mean I've pulled an astrological wheel, 12 houses to reveal the year ahead of you. This Fool in the second house is probably the most significant card. It tells us to be aware of any kind of extended expenditures, be aware of anything that is going to require a large investment on you, or any type of kind of big spending. Why does this matter? It means that there is something coming up, something in the next few months that was going to end up taking a financial hit in your life. So you need to be aware of that. If you are unaware of the danger that is coming in a few months, if you spend without planning in advance, then this is going to knock you off kilter and balance financially in your life. So be aware of that, that this is the most significant kind of figure that shows up. No uh, big spending, save as much as you can. You should do some type of money, stay with me magic uh, that can kind of double up as, as a sort of savings practice to help to build some form of um, kind of cushion for yourself because there is going to be a kind of steep fall showing up. And when it shows up, it's going to impact your finances. That's the first thing that appears here. Now, are you currently in a relationship Uh-oh, I think the client is muted. Oh, okay. I am well, in a relationship. You... Okay, good. And how long Hello? has this relationship been? Yes, how long has this relationship been going on for? Um, we've been together for 10 years. 10 years, excellent. And this is a marriage or are you dating? Um, we <laughs> decided that we don't want to be married. We we actually legally domestic partners. Good. It's good that there's some level of stability there. The reason I ask this is in the seventh house, we have uh, the five of wands. And the five of wands speaks to 
competition that vies for attention. This means that what we're seeing in this coming year is a bit of a change-up and things rocking up in the relationship. Um, this is an indication that there is going to be uh, competition, if you will. Now, that doesn't mean infidelity immediately. That doesn't mean that, oh, everything is going to go to shit. It just means that there's a period of time in which the relationship is going to be strained and stretched, and that's because attention is going to be diverted outside of it. Relationships require constant work, and they require a good amount of attention to be paid for it. The five of wands indicates here that you're going to face some shift. You've been together for 10 years. That's great. You have a domestic partnership. That's fantastic. But around early summer, so we're looking at around June, possibly around July, things are going to shift and some tensions are going to rise up to the surface of this. You can prepare for this by doing work to ensure that the bonds between you two remain strong. Any type of magical work that is aimed at sweetening, at overcoming tensions, at ensuring that affection remains warm and sweet and committed will help preempt and, and avoid any of these two kind of problems. So for us, so for this particular reading, there's two aspects that you need to be aware of. The financial component, to be aware that you are going to face a steep kind of drop-off in your finances in the next few months. Prepare in advance, doing by some, some steady work, money stay with me protective magic, savings magic. You're going to have some tensions in the relationships. They're not entirely severe, but it is going to cause uh, some strain. Prepare for that by doing some love work. Money and love work going forward, and then I sense that the rest of the year is going to all kind of revolve around these two components of your life. So long as you can deal with both of those, you will end up being successful. The kind of first card in the first house is the Queen of Cups, and that represents you. The Queen of Cups is a woman who is steady, who is strong, who is able to bear the changing tides and waves because she is on the shore on a throne that does not bend or break with the coming of the tides. She has a goblet in her hand and she's able to peer into that goblet to see the true matter and true meaning of things. You have the ability to deal with these matters. You've asked the right question by preemptively asking what the year uh, holds for you and keeping it open in some ways. A general reading you're able to accurately pinpoint those areas of your life that you can work on. Now approach it with a steady heart, with patience and confidence that you will be able to see through any of these kind of turbulent waters and come out better for it in the end. That is the lesson of the Queen of Cups. This is a person who, no matter how much the tide changes, no matter how turbulent the waters get, she remains steady on the shore on her throne. That is my reading for you. I'm going to turn this over to... Uh, Miss um, uh, Kat, who's going to do your next reading, and then Deacon Miller is going to give you root work recommendation based off of what we've seen here. Okay. Well, hello, Peter. Nice to talk with you. I'm going to, you know, usually I read cards, and I'm going to give a little bit of a numerology reading for you this time to show how numerology readings work. Now, you only gave us the name Peter. And uh, this is an interesting situation because a very short name, but every name can be reduced down to one digit, and um, even a group of names can be. So I believe that you can always read the name as presented. So if we take um, P-I-D-A and we convert those letters to numbers and then we add the numbers together, we get the number 21, and we then reduce that to Three, two and one is three. 
So the first thing I noticed, because I'm a kind of numerologist who's always keeping an eye out for what's happening around me, is that we're in the in the year twenty one oh two zero one nine, and that also reduces to a three, and in the same um, way. Uh, it, it just it has the same digits in it two one the nines are what are called cast out, so this is on the whole a year that is in accord with your nickname it's a it's a good year to use this nickname okay but let's go deeper into it. What is the meaning of the three and what what kind of a year is a three year for you so three is a number of happiness. And enthusiasm, it is a number of attracting new friends. But it does have some negatives, and these are important, and they kind of relate to what um, Contraman Ali said. Three is a person who can be stretched in too many directions. You know, you got one, you got two, and then all of a sudden three, you got a whole new dimension going on. And so just as Contraman Ali said that your relationship might be stretched, I would also say that for a person presenting as a number three in the year of a number three, that person may find themselves stretched in their long-term relationships. I'm not going to say that there's going to be a breakup or anything like that, but there may be some difficulty in understanding and making that relationship um, flow very smoothly this year. I'm going to uh, recommend that also you would look at career for the same point of view. You have a lot of enthusiasm. You can attract people. You have a a bunch of um, ability. That's always the three. They're very optimistic, and they can do a lot. But there are challenges. And um, if you don't face those challenges, you'll also find yourself stretched in your um, career or your money. And that kind of goes with what Ali said as well. So one of the nice things about the number three is it does imply friendships and helpers, family members. So it tells me that no matter what difficulty you have this year, with maybe giving too much on your plate or things going in too many directions at once or time just running out on certain projects, it's going to be kind of a little bit frantic. But you do have compassionate and supportive friends and family. And um, whether they are... um, chosen family or your natural family, there are people who will help you. And your basically sunny life, your basically happy characteristics will be able to be restored throughout the year by the help of friends. Okay? Now, um, there are some other aspects that I would like to mention about three. Three is a very expressive Number And because this is a three-year for you, this is a year that it would be good for you to take up some form of personal expression. And I don't just mean posting on Instagram or, or posting on Facebook or whatever. I mean something that you do and present to the world. Three is very good at singing, dancing, oratory, art, uh, speech. Three is a, a number that communicates. It's the great communicator number. So I would say that this year, whether or not you have ever thought of yourself as a communicator, this will be a good year, your best year for nine more years to do this, right? This is the year, three. It goes with that PETA. Now, PETA is only your nickname. It's not your real name. 
If you wanted to have a workout on your real name, you would, you know, type that out, but you didn't. So we're only going by your nickname. And I would um, tell you, you can just find out um, a lot more if you do go by your full birth name. It's called your destiny number. You can also um, find out that um, uh, once you have your full name, you can find out all the numbers in it and what year, the quality of each year will be more detailed. But for you, for the general reading, this is a year of expressive power. It's a year where you can communicate joy and where you can extend your friendships. The negatives, you will be stretched in too many directions and you will find yourself... um, some parts of your life may uh, suffer while you try to take care of other parts of your life. So just be careful. Don't don't um, lose your optimism. If you do find yourself losing your optimism, then all you have to do is turn to those people around you. You have a lot of support and a lot of friends. Okay? So that is um, my general reading. So I'm going to turn this over to Deacon Millett, and he's going to give you some root work advice. Well, good to meet you. I'm glad you decided to join us today. Um, as as I listened to these readings, um, my mind kept going back to the Hoodoo Foods book. Um, and I can't give you recipes, you know, right this second over the um, over the phone on the radio. But um, I do strongly recommend that you order the book Hoodoo Foods from Lucky Mojo. And um, in particular, I'm thinking of a recipe that I put in there um, for uh, money stay with me soup. And um, I'm also thinking of the peaceful home chicken um, that is is such a powerful recipe. Um, A lot of what's going to be happening for you feels home-centric to me in terms of keeping money at home bringing friends into your home, um, creating a satisfying home life with um, your partner. So um, food, the kitchen, all of that uh, to me plays a huge part um, in magic for the home. Um, I'm also thinking that you should um, come spring, plant some rosemary for protection and some lavender for a gentle, peaceful love and some basil to bring in money um, since that feels like it could become a concern. Um, I, I also think that having some sort of lucky talisman that you carry with you um, would be very positive. In your case, I think a Queen Elizabeth root with money house blessing oil on it. Um, would really fit for 2019. And the last thing I was thinking was um, having friends over for coffee or hot chocolate and um, using uh, what is euphemistically called pumpkin pie spice, um, which is the, the flavoring that um, you know you find in a, in a pumpkin latte. Um, but it, it has really positive... Um, attractive elements for money, um, and uh, it's a friendly spice mixture. And I think that that would be um, a wonderful addition to coffee, to hot chocolate, or you can just put it on the stove in some water and just 
have the scent of a pie baking with no pie at all. Um, but you feel strong and you feel like you're going to weather this difficult year um, just fine. So um, I wouldn't feel too terribly trepidatious. There's one other spell I like for when you have a hint that uh, a difficult financial time is coming. And that is go ahead and take your Bible and start by putting $1 in it. And the next day put 2 And the next day put 3 and so on and so forth, and um, let it accumulate so that when something happens, and if something happens, you're, you're ready and able to cover it, and you've got what you need. So those are my thoughts today. That is well, I really I really like that. Yeah, that that idea of putting money in the Bible really does um yeah. uh is a way of countering what Ali saw, which was that fool in the second house of money. Because yeah, the as they always say, if you put money in the Bible, nobody will God, but God will let you take it out. Exactly. If you dust your money too with with uh money attraction or money stay with me and then put it in the Bible, uh, it's a really great way, both as a sort of practical method of saving um, and as well as a spiritual one, and then um, possibly use it at the end of the you know, month or year or save it up for whatever that you know, expensive thing that's coming up is, whether it's a, you know, car repairs or some type of repair that you have to do. Whatever bill that shows up in a few months, you can use the money from the Bible for that. And if you dust it and kept it in the Bible, then turn that payment will go out and help bring further wealth in your life. So that's a really fantastic uh, technique there, the Deacon Miller. I think it, it's, it's really, really good. And I think the use of Queen Elizabeth root is going to be super useful here. Um, would you recommend the Queen Elizabeth root be used as a bath or in a mojo? What would be the best approach for the Queen Elizabeth root, you think? I think it would be best in a mojo. It feels like, mm-hmm. like a whole one needs to be carried. Um, yeah. Yeah, if, and and oiling it up on a you know monthly basis or something just whenever it needs feeding um, just feels right to me. Now um, there's so many good possibilities to put into a mojo bag with it, um, but it's definitely a whole Queen Elizabeth root that I saw. Yeah, oh, that's I like fantastic. That yeah, and when he means oil it up, what he means is you can get Queen Elizabeth root oil, and you just oil up the root itself um, and keep it nice and, and, and oiled. And it's, a very, it's a called feeding the root. Yeah. He also mentioned a peaceful home as a possible yeah. oiling. And then, of course, there's also the money uh, oils that were mentioned um, earlier. And Papa Newt put in the links to money stay with me and money mm. drawing and those uh, you can blend them, you know, you can blend a little bit yeah. of money, stay with yeah. me, a little money drawing, a little peaceful home, make a little thing and put that in your Queen Elizabeth root and carry that root in your mojo bag. And mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. forget money house blessing, which is Money house blessing. Oh, yeah. Right. And peaceful home, yeah, they, they, they go well together. <laughs> all right, Peter, thank you for entrusting us with your situation. We wish you all the best. Do call back and let us know how things turn out. We're going to have Papa Newt uh, come and lead us on to our next caller after a quick break. 
Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Reworkers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandreworkers.org. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our next uh, client. And our next client is calling in from area code 410 in Baltimore City, Maryland. Uh, this is Marcia. Marcia, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and welcome to the show. I see this is your first time calling in. Yes, it is. Thank you. Welcome. Now, I see you have had a reading with Miss Cat, but on a different situation. That was in last fall, um, and it looks like things have gotten better from that reading. That's wonderful. And um, let's take a look here. Now, uh, she writes... I had two different uh, people involved in the ATRs tell me that I should join, uh, a join, uh, find out which Orisha crowns me and becomes and become initiated. However, this process is expensive. I am usually looking at a thousand to two thousand investment, depending on who I go to. I would like very much uh, to know if my African ancestors are truly calling me to worship the Orishas, and if so, which Orishas want me. However, I just found that the two skeleton keys at my Irish-American grandfather's house and was hoping to construct a powerful master key spell to fully open the doors to my spiritual gifts. I am of mixed race heritage. Uh, I want to know who is truly calling out to me. Do the Orishas really want me? Or if so, which one? And what is the best way to begin? Turn back to you, Punch Lee. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Papa New. So, Sister Marthea, um, uh, just a couple things. Now, I'm I'm an initiate and a Tata in an adjacent ATR that is Kimbanda. Um, I had not in in, Luku, in the Lukumi tradition, um, but I'll, I'll give you some real quick uh, points, and then we're going to turn this over to Deacon Millet, who's going to do your first reading, followed by Miss Cat, and then I will give you some root work recommendation. Um, based off of this reading, I should be clear that we can't tell you who your Orishas are. Hoodoo is not based in an Orisha tradition. It's uh, rooted in African-American, Protest- Southern Protestant, usually Baptist and Pentecostal traditions, as well as Methodist. Um, so we, are, we can't tell you who your Orishas are, and we can't tell you about initiation. You're going to have to seek out an initiate in the Lukumi tradition, an Orisha, who can do a reading for you and give you more details. But what we can do is we can do a reading about your spiritual gift to see if perhaps uh, you are called uh, in some form of priestly fashion or priestess fashion, if you are called to undertake ancestral work, if you are to be involved in some sort of formalized religion, and as well as what your spiritual gifts are, and if, if you have them. That's what we can read on for you here, and that's what I think the direction will take. So I'm going to turn this over to uh, Deacon Millet, who's going to do your first reading. All right. So I'm going to use my Secret Takini Oracle deck, and I'm going to go ahead and pull three cards and see what they give us, and then I may choose a few more. Who can say? So the first card here is Scarlet Woman, um, and this is a card with eyes, beautiful female eyes looking out and poppies. Um, this is a powerful feminine card, um, and I always associate it with Cleopatra myself. 
in terms of a woman who is able to um, use her beauty and power and uh, feminine wiles, so to speak, to um, to attract um, and ensnare men. Um, this can also be, uh, however, a devious female. So be on the lookout. You don't want any femme fatales around you who um, are seeking uh, their wealth or power at your expense. Um, the next card is Magic Carpet. Um, and this is a card of travel. Um, and, and this is a very positive card. It does say that you should... Um, seek out new places as part of your spiritual journey. So this may lead you to um, some other place, and perhaps in that place there is some kind of an initiation. The third card is horseplay. And this card shows two horses nuzzling in the foreground and some other horses um, in the background as kind of the horsemen of the apocalypse. But it is a positive card. It is a card of community. Um, so if you, there is a sense that you need a community and whether that community is going to be found um, in a religion or not is um, not really uh, my say-so, but it is important um, for you to have that sense of community around. And then just the final card that I'll pull here to sum it all up a very good card, Eternal Life. And this card shows the Sphinx and a goddess holding an Ankh. And this card is associated with reincarnation. It's associated with ancestor veneration. Um, so, yes, there is, there is something, some kind of message from your ancestors that you need to receive. And the, the master key uh, ceremony that you are thinking about doing to open the way for that um, sounds like a really positive force for your own good. Thank you so much. And let's okay. have Miss Cat do your well, next reading. Yeah, thanks. Um, okay, well, I will not do a numerology reading for you because I happen to know your real name. And I don't want to give it away and go through the whole numbers. So I'm going to do a card reading on this. I know that the, the name you've used on, on air here is a, uh, online is a different uh, name. So, But it's nice to talk to you. Wonderful to talk to you. Um, so I'm going to do three cards on this, but I'm going to say one thing before um, going into this. And this has to do with when readers tell you that you need an initiation that will cost you X thousands of dollars, my little alarm bells go off. I mean, you could sit in the mercy seat at your local Baptist church and it would not cost you nothing. So I do worry about the um, commercial interests of those people. If, on the other hand, they're not saying, you must initiate in my house, then I would give what they say more credibility. But as Contrabanali said, it is not for us to decide which Arisha rules you or anything about that because that's um, a religious question and we cannot answer it. Only just be aware of what is involved in the in the religion. Read up on it. And if it seems doable and right to you, that's it. Now, as far as your grandfather, that is something that is 
what I would say, free. And that doesn't make it value less because it has less monetary uh, attachment to it. So, um, in fact, I think it has some value. The first card I pulled actually does relate to your grandfather. And this is the Ten of Pentacles. And this shows a home uh, with a gate, a sort of an Italian Renaissance little house. And uh, there's an old grandfather there and a couple of dogs. And there's a, a couple talking, a, a young adult couple, and they have a child. And this is about the passing of generations and the passing of property, um, whether it is material property in the home or whether it is gifts of um, knowledge, talent, wisdom, physical style, all of those gifts from one generation to the next. And on the walls here of this open gate is a a castle drawn on a heraldic shield. There is another heraldic shield with a a balance beam scale, indicates some mercantile interest perhaps. And there's another, a brocade um, or jacquard woven tapestry with a castle on it. So all of this is about ancestors. And um, this says to me that for the first thing you should do definitely is get in contact with your grandfather because this is right here in the card and it is an important thing. It does not speak to Orishas per se. Now in the uh, Lukumi tradition, the ancestors are venerated, but the Orishas are separate entities from your ancestors and they are more like what we might call deities, nature spirits, saints, uh, figures of uh, non-human origin, except for maybe one or two of them. So this is about seeking the ancestral connection through your ancestor rather than through a mediated priestly function. The next card is a card of great blessings, and this is the Ace of Cups. And this is a card that has the hand of God holding a cup with water coming out of it, and it pours down into a beautiful um, uh, watery, uh, like, pond, lake, ocean. We can't really tell what it is. And um, and there is um, a, a dove flying down. And if this was um, to be an Orisha, if it's fresh water, it would be Oshun. If it's, if it's um, the ocean, it would be Yamaya. But I only say that speaking as a folklorist. I look at it as a Christian symbol, of the um, the Holy Spirit coming into the cup with a communion wafer. Also, the hand is the, the water is pouring out over the hand and not touching the hand of God. And this relates to the twenty third Psalm, which has the words "My cup runneth over." So this shows to me that there's sort of a universal idea of spiritual blessings, but in particular. Waters Now, in Christianity, waters represent baptism. In Judaism, waters is the mikvah, the, the, the ritual bath. And in the Orishas, of course, there are at least two deities associated with two forms of water. So water, I'm not going to say any one or any other, but I'm going to say water plays a role here. Right? Water plays a role in your future path. <clears throat> and there is a blessing to be given to you by means of water. Okay, And then the third card I have here is a card called the Three of Pentacles. And this is a card of building a church. Um, uh, it's a Gothic cathedral. It has on it, strangely enough, three pentagrams, which were uh, associated with the old Celtic 
religion that has been revived under the name of Wicca. So it's sort of a paganistic idea that they're carving into this church. There's also a flower and leaves, so there's some nature worship, you know. And then they're making this sort of very formal European church, and there are three people doing it, a stonemason, a priest, and an architect. And what I see here is that it doesn't so much matter what the structure is, but you do feel the need for some structure. And that joining a community, which is what Deacon Millet said, um, is, um, you know, indicated. And the Three of Pentacles is interestingly a card of no money. This card has three coins on it, but they aren't aren't golden coins. So it might be about um, following the path, but don't let yourself become overwhelmed in following a path that you're going to pay for to your detriment and then feel you must continue to follow because you've already paid so much and it's good money after bad. And I speak here channeling, uh, I am a spirit medium, a friend of mine who has departed and who gave almost a year of his life to a false house of Leukemia Risha worship and had to back out of it and start the whole process over again. And he did faithfully, and he did become a priest of Shango. And that was my dear friend, Dr. E. But he wrote a very revealing blog about what it's like to be, uh, let your enthusiasm lead you down to the first person who says that they will initiate you in, into the religion of the Orisha. So be cautious. And he says that to me to say to you. And you can find his thing. It was the, I think the name of the, it was called My Year in White. And it was very interesting. And he was very open. What an honest man. He said, you know, I, I fell into the clutches of someone who only wanted my money. And I had to do the whole thing over again. Okay? So that's what I have for you. Thanks, Miss Cat. I think I think Cat has given you some very important. Both Cat and Deacon Mill have given you very important and sage advice. Um, as a person who is an initiate of the ATRs, it can be a wonderful path. It can be a very fulfilling path, but it's about finding the right people, you know, for you. Um, it is an intense relationship built off of a great deal of trust and if that trust is well used it can build into something very powerful but if it is not then it can be exploitative and this this isn't a bad you know that's not to say all ATRs are bad or anything but this isn't an honest no. reality of it right this isn't this is the same reality of any religion from Catholicism to Islam to Judaism to Protestantism, the relationship with a religious community can be beautiful or it can be exploitative, particularly if it's based off of uh, power dynamics, uh, an exchange of resources. So you want to take it slowly. Um, I have a strong suspicion that you will eventually likely uh, find this path and you will likely get initiated, but you need to first find the right people. So what I want you to do is start first and foremost working with your ancestors. Your ancestors are going to be your, your, your support through this, the spiritual support you need to find the physical community. They are going to be a, an important component, and I always tell people before they even get started in any of the ATRs, ancestor work is the way to do it. Start off by setting up a space dedicated to your ancestors. Uh, put a cup of water, a white candle, and simply spend some time communing. Light that white candle, uh, leave out that water. If you get a sense that they want something more than water, like coffee or tea, then leave that for them as well. And simply commune. Take your time. 
It's not it's not going to happen right off the bat. It's going to take a little bit. Relationships take time to build. And doubly so with relationships with the spirit world. Write down any strong impressions that you get. Write down any thoughts that you have, any kind of significant dreams. Keep track of it. And do this for some time. I would say a couple of months before you take any further step. And this is even before you do the master key work. Now, the reason I say this is because you said you've come from a mixed race background, and that's important to recognize that not always will ancestors be uh, copacetic with one another. Ancestors are people. They're not, you know, empty figureheads. They're people. They have personalities, and they have quirks, and some get along with one another, and some don't, and some are overbearing, and some are very gentle. So it's important to you first start off in a kind of a generalist way, Start to feel out which ancestors are going to be allied to you. As you're doing this, you should be doing genealogy work, looking up the stories of your ancestors, getting to know them. This will help to build the connection with them. If you start to locate objects, place them on the altar. But be very aware of any kind of shift. Is this a positive shift? Mm, things don't feel right. Okay, you need to remove that. This is a dynamic and dialogic process. Take your time to do this. Over a period of time, you are then going to leave out a bowl of Florida water that you will then light. This is going to increase and intensify the connection. So you start off with just water and candle and communing for the first couple months. Then after you feel like you've established good contact, you are then going to give the offering of the Florida water. The fire and the Florida water will help to make your ancestors come through strongly. Now, if and if only at that point you get a strong impression that you are to move forward, then you can work with the keys. Go to the crossroads, leave a small token of coin, gather some dirt, bring this dirt onto your altar, and lay out a crossroads, what's known as a mobile crossroads. You just make a nice big X with the dirt. On top of this X, in the middle, you're going to put a small jar filled with sugar. Take your two skeleton keys and smoke them in master key incense and oil them. Take one of it and stick this into the sugar. The other you will keep on yourself as a talisman. As you work with your ancestors, call upon them to open the doors for you that you may be guided to the community that you need to find, the teacher that needs to be in your life, the reader that will give you the wisdom that you need. And as you pray, you will turn the key clockwise one quarter turn. And you are going to do this over and over again, over a series of times, several months, and you will find that your ancestors will bring you where you need to be, will bring you the right teacher, will bring you the right initiator, and even the community that will surround you. This is my approach. It's a long approach. It's okay. Don't feel like you need a rush because that then puts you in a disadvantaged position, as Miss Cat rightly noted. Instead, say, look, I'm not going to initiate this year but I am going to find my community this year. I'm going to find my teacher this year. I'm going to set the stage this year so that I will be ready when I need to take the next step. That's my recommendation. Um, it's what I did when I first started initiated, uh, you know, walking down this path. I took my time. I found the right community, my right teacher, and it worked out for me, and I think that it will also work out for you. But start Slowly build the relationship with your ancestors, then build the connection to open the door via the keys, 
And then keep your eyes open for the community that you will need to be around. That's really good. I I like that a lot. And uh, I'm just going to say one more thing. Take it slow and easy is the key to what we're talking about here. Oh, yes. Slow and easy is the way forward. Thank you again for trusting us with your situation. Let us know how things turn out. Um, I I suspect there are good things ahead for you in your future. All right. We're going to take a quick break for a network scheduled announcement, and then we're going to come back with a free spell. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment with Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California. Take it away, Miss Catherine. All right. Well, this isn't exactly a spell. This is how to get your lucky betting numbers for state lotteries with your birth date using the ancient Chinese method called the Lo Shu Square. Okay? So first of all, you've got to draw that square. So I want you to draw a tic-tac-toe diagram. You know, draw a square and put two lines one way and two lines the other way. That's your tic-tac-toe. And um, I want you to use... a Oh, you can use a little pencil or a little red pen. And in each of the squares, put small or in one color the numbers. And these numbers are going to be top row, 4, 9, and 2. Second row, 3, 5, and 7. And the third row, 8, 1, and 6. Now, before we go any farther, I want you to look at those and start thinking about those numbers. If you add... 4 and 9 and 2, the sum is 15. If you add 3 and 5 and 7, the sum is 15. If you add 8 and 1 and 6, the sum is 15. The same thing going downwards, 4, 3, and 8 is 15. 9, 5, and 1 is 15. 2, 7, and 6 is 15. If you go crisscross, 4, 5, and 6 is 15, and 2, 5, and 8 is 15. Every which way you go, it's 15. This is the magic square. At the four corners, we have the four even numbers. 2, 4, 6, and 8, and then in the cross in the center, we have 1, 3, 5, 7, and 9. All right, now, I want you to write out your birth date next to this. Um, I'm going to use my birth date as an example. My birth date is 5, that's the month of May, 5, 12, which is 1, 2, 1947. 5, 1, 2, 1, 9, 4, 7. Okay, now, I can go where those numbers are, and I'm going to use a different color pen because that's just the kind of person I am, and I'm going to put down 1, where that box of 1 is, 9, where the 9 is, 4, 7, that's the years. I'm going to put down a 5 for my, my month and a 12 for my date. So 5, 1, 2, 1, 9, 4, 7. And you'll notice there are two 1s in that. That's not uncommon. Don't worry about it. Um, that has a meaning, but it's not going to help us with gambling at this moment. So 
So now, if you look at that, you'll see that I have won a game of tic-tac-toe. I've won the game of tic-tac-toe that reads 492. I have all those squares filled. And I've won another game of tic-tac-toe. I've won the game that goes 951. So I have two lines in my birth date, and that means I have two betting sequences, 492 and 951. And I could play them two different ways. I could play them straight. I could play them boxed. I could play them backwards, too, 294, 159. But when will I play them? Well, let's take a day that we're going to bet on. And we're going to bet on a day. And I'm just going to take a date. I'm not going to even bother working out because it take too long. But let's say I work out a date, and that date works out to a three. Well, those aren't my numbers. I'm not going to bet on that date that has a three. Next, I take the next date, next date, next date. And a few weeks later, I'm fine. I take a date, and whatever it is, it's February the whatever, it's 2019. And that works out to an eight. I'm not going to bet on that day. It ain't one of my days. But when I look at these numbers here, 492, 951, what's the luckiest of them? Nine, because it's between the 492 and the 951. It appears in two of them. Plus one is double lucky for me because I have two ones. So any date that has a, that works out to a nine will be a good date for me to bet my three sets of three, 492 or 951. Now, you have to do this for yourself at home, but let's go a little farther. The line, 492, that I have means intellect. Well, I'm pretty good at math, I guess, right? And the line, 951, that I have has a meaning in the low shoe square. Self-assurance. Go right ahead. So I'm a person of intellect and self-assurance, and I know when it's right to bet. Now, if you have none of these lines, if you have nothing and it just comes out blank, 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 you may not be a naturally lucky person. Not everybody is. If I had a thing where, if I had a low shoe square where all my numbers were loose and I never won a game of tic-tac-toe, either by blanks, which would be zeros, you know, or by numbers, I wouldn't bet at all. I would just say I'm not a betting person. I'll wait till I get a lucky dream and bet my dream instead, but I won't bet my birth date. So I hope that makes sense to folks. Um, If you have any questions, guys, just jump in and I'll explain more about it. Oh, I, I love this. Uh, this is this is fascinating in a way of working that I'm not entirely familiar with. So I'm I'm gonna try this out myself. Actually, <laughs> right. you well, any questions? Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you a couple other things. If you're a person who has a lot of blanks, which which yeah. are called arrows, that yeah, yeah. usually means that you're never going to be a real lucky game player lucky you're not going to play let's put it this way you might win right. at other things like poker but you're not going to win those lotteries those three digit picks right the number the, your luck, game. the luck ones right the luck ones aren't right. going to be you'd be a person of skill perhaps but not a person of luck on the other right. hand if you have a, a, a birth date that works out where nothing connects you got two over here and two over there and another one like say you had nine two three eight and six huh, okay well that just isn't very good and um it's the way you can work it, though, is if you find someone right. who has a four, all of a sudden you win two rows. See? So you got to marry yeah. somebody lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to do it. Uh, let's yeah. give uh, Deacon Miller a chance to see if he has any questions because we didn't get a chance to go to him during the panel, and I feel dreadful. So, uh, Deacon Miller, if you have any questions. No, I can't wait to do this myself. It's very, very captivating. 
Um, I know, you know, yeah. a, a sign of a free spell, if it's good, is when you rush home and you want to do it yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you one other, one other system that I know, just what I was taught and what I, what I believe, and I was taught this by Mr. Matthew Murray of, Murray of Lafayette, Louisiana. Once you have your lucky number, keep betting those same numbers. Uh-huh. Unless something really changes, and if those numbers get won by somebody else, and you because you didn't play that day, and someone else won on your number, you got to rethink it because that number may not come back again for a while. But it uh-huh. might. But um, but if you do best, said uh, Mr. Matthew Murray, if you play your own numbers. Now he had a workout based on your social security number, and that'll do it too. <laughs> wow. Interesting. See, that's that's very different from what I hear about lucky numbers, but I love it. I love it. Um, thank you for the free spell and for, for kind of joining us as, a, as our guest. Let's have Papa Newt lead us on to our close, and then we'll come back with some final words and goodbye. Thank you, Contraband Ali, and thank you, Deacon Millett, for being our special co-host, and thank you, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when we will have another special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Rubrikers. Stay tuned. Once again, we come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. Uh, you can find Contraband Ali at TheContraband.com in Mission Viejo, California, and Deacon Millet at the four, alt- uh, four altars.org in the high deserts of California. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt, joining you from PapaNewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via LuckyMojo.com slash RadioShow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to say thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks, Papa Newt. Thank you, everyone, for a lovely, lovely show to Papa Newt and Nagashiva for guiding us through it so effortlessly. Uh, to the wonderful Deacon Millet for being an awesome co-host. And, of course, to Miss Kat for such a fun, fun interview. It's not always that we get a chance to put you in the interview seat, but it was an amazing experience. And we got a chance to talk about books, which is always a, a fun topic. Uh, everyone, keep your eyes open for The Secret of Numbers Revealed. Thank you all. We'll be back next week. Have a fantastic week. And good night from from me and, and everyone here at the board. <laughs> well, thank you. I just want to mention the secret of numbers revealed is included in the price of your ticket if you attend the Hoodoo yes. Heritage Festival, um, which is May 11th and 12th, 2019, right here in Forestville, and I'll be teaching a workshop. I will give you ways to find your lucky numbers in several different ways. And you can find the tickets at hoodooheritagefestival.com. It's also in our chat room, which the log of which will be posted on our forum. So multiple ways to find it, but be sure to check it out. All right. All right. Good night, all. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.